You're listening to IoT Emerge, your place for conversation and information about the Internet of Things. I'm your host, T.C. Doyle. And I'm B.B. Jackson. Our guest this week is Sandy Carter, formerly of IBM, and now an advisor in Silicon Valley. When we first sat down with her at the IoT Emerge conference, we asked Sandy about some of her famous tweets. One in particular, this was, all good ideas are weird ideas. Innovation is about doing something different. It's not just creative to be different, it's creative and different to be useful and valuable. And therefore, people at first think it's weird. I mean, how many of us looked at Airbnb and said, I'm gonna stay in someone's house I don't know, or Uber get in a car with someone that I don't know. But those crazy ideas are now part of our life, right? Last night when I came into the airport, the first thing the guy said is, do you wanna Uber somewhere? Like it was a verb, right? So I think innovation starts with these interesting ideas that turn into commonplace attributes. How soon before someone says, you know, we need a Watson that? Oh, I hope that happens really soon, (laughs) yes. You know, I think that AI, artificial intelligence, is invading in so many different places that people don't even recognize it. Look at service and support today done with chatbots. You know, unlike the phone systems of yesterday where you knew you were talking to an automated voice, you guys can't tell when there is an automated artificial intelligence bot that's doing customer service. And I think that AI is going to slowly creep into our lives and it will be embedded in everything we do and I think already is in more things than we know. Can we drill down a little bit more on that? Maybe you want to ask? Yeah, how. but we've got to talk about startups because you do quite a bit with startups. So this seems like the perfect segue. Yes, there are, I think, so many amazing startups that innovate out there. In fact, if you think about it, most of the big disruptions that are happening, big innovations, come out of a startup landscape. And one of the things that I'm trying to do is actually teach those startup methodologies and how you disrupt and how you innovate to large enterprises and to help them get some of that startup glitter and blitz that they need in order to survive in today's marketplace. There's so many great startups, and I came up with a phenomenal list of 25 what I consider disruptors in the IoT space that happen to be female founders. So I'm really excited about that. That is so exciting, which also brings us to women in IoT, my passion. Share with us a little bit on your women in IoT projects. You've got so many. This research that you're doing is fascinating. Yeah, so uh, we are releasing the preliminary results of a female founder study. And I did this study because one of the folks who gave me some research that showcased that female founders are actually 15% more profitable than male founders but they're 40% less likely to get funded. And you know, that just doesn't compute to me. I'm very logical. It's like, if you're gonna get more money and you're gonna have a higher profit, why wouldn't people invest in female founders? And so it really got me thinking, are there things that I could do, and BB like you're doing here, to help these women become very successful? I don't know if you just saw the McKinsey report, but it showed that if we had more female founders disrupting the world, we would add $30 billion to America's GDP. I mean, so this is a, amazing. So drill down on that, Sandy. In yeah. addition to funding, what yeah. are some of the other challenges that a female entrepreneur typically runs into that maybe her male counterpart would not? 
Well, the first one, which I thought was a big aha moment, was encouragement from a very young age. We've all heard about, you know, girls who code, getting that coding and math and science embedded in, and that is really important. But there was also a big item that came out of the survey that said that little girls aren't encouraged to think about owning their own businesses. One of the write-ins said, you know, my dad took me to all these entrepreneur events, he took all the kids, but then when I graduated from college and I wanted to start my own company, he said, you know what? You should play it safe and go with a corporation. Whereas he told my brother, go for it, take the risk. So that was one, family influence, in particular dad influence, which I thought was interesting. A longer term thing we want to work on. The second big one was tech. How do we get more women in tech? Because if you look at the companies that are being funded, you know Internet of Things had a big year, 43% increase in venture funding for Internet of Things companies. But most women in the survey, only 24% had a tech background. Now, if you look at male founders, it's 75%. So it's completely opposite. And then the third one was these women said, I don't know how to scale my company. I know how to start it. There's lots of help for starting it. But how do I blitz scale, as we say in Silicon Valley? And there was three things there. One was fundraising that we talked about. But the other two were interesting. One was on sales and marketing. In fact, one person wrote in and said, sales to me had always been a dirty word. Like, who wants to do sales? But now that I'm a founder, oh my God, I have to be the lead salesperson and I don't know how to do that. How do I do a cold call? How do I do marketing? How do I, how do, I do that in this world? And then the third area was just basic business mentoring. I don't have a mentor. Most male founders have a mentor, in fact, multiples. Most female founders said they have maybe one, but not multiples for sure. Well, I'm excited to hear that you found this list and what distinguished the individuals that are on this list? What made them around the world jump out at you? Was it their innovation? Was it their focus on their particular vertical market? Was it just some moxie that they brought to the table that was undeniable? Well, my number one requirement was that they were doing some sort of disruption. So for instance, I'll give you one woman. She's disrupting fishing. And you're like, fishing? This is her third company. She's created an IoT sensor that enables a fisherman to weigh his fish or her fish, measure the fish, use GPS to identify where they caught the fish, a whole set of things that fishermen, especially those in tournaments, must report. She initially did it because she's a catch and release fisher woman herself for a more humane way to treat the fish. But it's caught on, gone wildfire at tournaments, and she is going to unleash her new version of it at uh, CES in uh, Vegas in January. That can is you believe so that? Incredible! She's on her way now. Yeah, so she's are... disrupting that industry, right? Oh, for sure. But there's all kinds of ways to disrupt. BB and I were talking about this in some of our. Con- you can disrupt with brand new stuff and creative things that nobody's seen. But talk a little bit about how women and other tech entrepreneurs can also disrupt by grinding it out, helping big industrial giants, the likes of which that IBM helps serves over and over just improve efficiencies, patient outcomes, in all kinds of vertical markets? This is a great question because uh, one of the other things I did was I surveyed a whole set of people on innovation. And Jeremiah Owang from Cloud Companies did the same survey. It was interesting. Both of us found that nobody really could identify innovation, but innovation comes in what we think is four areas, product, business model, operational, and customer experience. And so we see some of these women are doing disruptive things that are taking what we normally would do 
and changing the game for it. What do you think on a national and international level, what are some of the things that we can do to continue this drive and involvement of getting more girls and on different life cycles? I mean, there are programs for young girls. We're seeing Goldie Blocks, for example. But also, what about the middle school, which is where it's statistically proven. That's where they're dropping out of math and science and engineering and those types of topics and subject matters. And then high school, and then lastly, my own passion, kind of what about women who step away from the workforce a little bit to start a family and then reemerge? We definitely have mother coders. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're big on helping women emerge back in the workplace. But what are your thoughts? What are you seeing? Oh, wow. So that's a lot. That's a big that question. Is all- <laughs> yeah, I know. But, um, <laughs> How long can, is this podcast? Can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, there's a couple things for young girls. So one, I love the efforts of folks like Reshma on Girls Who Code. Because I do believe that the more girls understand technology, they don't have to be coders, but in today's society, every company is based on technology. And so we have to have that embedded in. Some of the women on my top 25 startups are actually doing something I think is really fascinating, creating interesting ways to get girls interested in not just tech, but entrepreneurship. So I'll give you an example, Anina Nett from Fashion360. She has washable fabric with embedded sensors in it so that your dress, your jacket can change color based on movement, based on tweets. I mean, so many really cool things. She is very passionate about young girls. And so while she's doing that on the runway, she's packaged up in a box a fashion dress and a kit. And it has everything a young girl or young boy needs to create their own fashion. Ribbon, jackets, vest. And if they want to, they can even take that and code it so that you can see different impacts based on what the kids are coming up with too. But it's really a fascinating way to get people started. But maybe here's what I think from the survey. One of the things that I found was that Silicon Valley has more women entrepreneurs than anywhere else in the United States. So why is that? When I dug into the data of the survey, I noticed that all the women from the West Coast talked about how they started at an early age. There was a program called Build, where you get together in teams, you create your own company. One woman said she was the chief design officer at 13 for this little company. They actually pitch to VCs and angels when they're 15 years old. And then that gets in your blood, right? I think an entrepreneur is not born. I think they are challenged throughout their lifetime to become entrepreneurs. And I just found if we could do that in Chicago, if we could do that in New York and Boston and Austin, Atlanta, I mean, we would have, I think, many more young girls dreaming of being not just president, but um, entrepreneurs as well. Yep, I agree. That sounds fantastic. It sounds like we need to take our women in IoT on the road. We need to develop a road show and collaborate with all of these incredible projects. And And I think that would be so inspirational, not just for women today who may be starting second careers, but or women, you know, that are out of college, but I think it would be inspirational. One of the young girls who took my survey, she is 11 years old. She's an entrepreneur. She actually has a company with revenue. And I asked the question in the, in the survey, tell me about something that you really want. If you could have one thing, what would it be? Most people write money. She wrote, I want a role model. I want a role wow. model who is a successful female entrepreneur in tech who's doing something incredible. And so I think that's what your roadshow could do is provide not just help for women today, but the next generation coming up as well. That's fantastic. It is definitely a generational thing. 
that's what IoT is about anyway. It's really bringing together millennials with people who are seasoned and know the industry. They understand engineering, but now they've got to add that creative side, the innovation piece to it. Absolutely. I agree. One of my last questions for you, what are you, what's your forecast? What are you seeing in the next 10 years? What do you think is going to come about for women in IoT and then even just from an innovation standpoint? Well, one of the things that I'm very hopeful about in the next 10 years is, you know, data is everywhere, but it's not about the data, it's about the right data. And that means we need to analyze the data and get insight from it. And I'm very encouraged to see that over 40% of the data scientists graduating right now are women. It's one of the highest areas of tech, which is really encouraging to me because I think that's going to dominate in the next 10 years. I think along with that, we're going to see artificial intelligence combined with Internet of Things. And to me, that's really interesting because Internet of Things provides so much more data that we've never had before. <clears throat> I was just working with an industrial client, and they were using data to help them in predictive or preventative maintenance. And it's amazing. All this data has been sitting there, but they haven't been able to use it, leverage it. It's just too much. And so data that usually took them six months to analyze, they're now able to analyze it in two hours. That just blows my mind. So I do think that combination of artificial intelligence with Internet of Things will be pretty amazing. And then if you add in VR, I think the possibilities are endless. Um, So I think the future is incredibly um, progressive. I think it's all about AI, Internet of Things, and VR. And women. And women. And women. (laughs) All about the women. For IoT Emerge, I'm TC Doyle. And I'm BB Jackson. That's it for us. Join us next episode.